Inside Westminster, Chapter 186, Uniting the Union. The PM was hardly a Johnny-come-lately to the game of politics. It was in his blood, unlike some of the upstart parvenus who could be listed, William Gaunt chief amongst them. Except Potty had never arrived in this, the real world of leadership, as a fully formed adult. Even at 85, he had a juvenile, jokey approach to life, naively thinking that everyone else was in on the laugh, sharing the same sense of slapstick humour as him, which, of course, a single parent living in the wasteland of a down-and-out estate in a Red Wall constituency certainly did not, particularly if they'd battled through lockdown, faced the prospect of a month-long agonising death from Covid as their job was cleaning care homes, and then lost all their extra undeclared cleaning jobs in the homes of the more affluent, the owners of which feared contamination from the care homes this cleaner worked in. Great, and in an age when the government was making life-and-death decisions, choosing to drive people back to work for fear of economic devastation, through which a broken UK would not be able to afford the NHS, for example. These sorts of people were trampled and crushed by the mental anguish and the sheer impossibility of their lives. No, times were serious. So what did the great and the good do? Why, they went on holiday, of course, which only reinforced what Joe Public already knew, and that was that these politicians knew their responses weren't working so they might as well grab a holiday while the going was bad. No difference would be made whether they had stayed welded to their work chairs or whether they were sipping champagne in a swanky hotel in Scarborough. Not for the first time in his career as a journalist, as Mayor of London, as a constituency MP and now as Prime Minister was the question asked, where's Ptolemy Trudge-Jones? Oh, and as a man, that question had been asked by the numerous mistresses and the duped fools he'd accidentally married too. Over the course of his short premiership, the PM had been missing in action on many occasions, but this time banner headlines actually screamed out, Where's the PM? Where's our leader? Well, there he was on the far-flung shores of the Scottish Highlands, sporting a weird anti-midge hat and climbing illegally over a fence to set up a pathetic-looking canvas tent. Hadn't he said he'd be going camping? So that tentage would prove him not to have been lying, only exaggerating as normal, for he, Mandy and Hector weren't living under canvas, but were snug and warm in a rather nice holiday let a few strides away and over said fence. Why don't these journalists ever shut up? Who'd be the progeny of someone who's suffering from diarrhoea of the pen? The daughter of the award-winning journalist, who was also wife of Matthew Shrove, Al, had been suffering badly, in silence, from extreme anxiety over everything, really. Like most unconfident teenage girls, she had taken it out on herself by reducing her food intake till she was on the verge of starving. Her mother, Kat, hadn't noticed at first, assuming that Al had merely forgotten her packed lunch and would be most likely cadging off friends. But every day for two weeks, in succession. Alarm bells sounded and in disbelief, Kat confronted her daughter. Hell's bells rang out and emergency services were called. 
The worst thing for Al was when she read her own story in her mother's daily column. You betrayed me, your own daughter. Don't you know when enough is enough? Al had screamed, frightening the nurses working in the secure ward she'd been dumped in as a temporary measure until the Shroves could formulate a plan for their daughter's recovery. Back in Scotland, another screamer was being pacified, but these screams were emanating from baby Hector. He'd been shoved into a baby sling, like a misshapen marrow carelessly dolloped into a string shopping bag. His parents seemed oblivious and couldn't have read the contraption's instructions, so busy were they posing for photos, their secret location having been discovered by an opportunistic journo armed with a telephone photo lens. "'Are you enjoying the weather?' shouted the freelancer over the gale force winds blowing straight from the Arctic. The hapless pair simply smiled, pulling their wet proofs tighter round their frozen frames, knowing that they'd be vacating their tent and Airbnb that morning as their security team felt they were all too vulnerable now that their location was out. Funny, we're in Monkfish's domain. Wonder if she's got anything to do with letting the cat out of the bag, was all the PM had said, as had to say, as he, Mandy and Hector were bundled into the armoured Range Rover. Pity, Mandy added, as all we wanted to do was to show how much we loved our neighbours up here and how much we wanted them to want to stay in the Union like the Northern Irish and Welsh seemed to want to do. Oh well, can't win them all, Potter replied as he lumbered into the waiting vehicle. Right, boss, said one of the heavies of the security team. Off you go in the lead car and we'll clear up which of course was only cursorily done, to the extent that Potty had to forfeit their deposit on the cottage to cover the cost of a deep clean. Well, we won't be doing that again, he said to Mandy on receipt of the text from the Airbnb's owner. Free beads in mustique next time and sod what the punters think. Cheers to that, laughed Mandy, who was relieved that she wouldn't have to don wellies and woolies ever again not even in the name of uniting the union.